Hey, thank you for joining us here at Word Baptist Church. My name is Jamar and I'm the lead pastor. I get the privilege of shepherding here and I'm so glad that you are joining us for this sermon. You're about to receive some text-driven preaching and our prayer is that God will speak to you as you listen to this message. So uh, grab something that you can write with in your Bible and uh, enjoy. I want to invite you uh, to open your Bibles uh, to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 7 is where we will spend our time together today as we uh, continue our series, uh, our series uh, entitled uh, Genesis in the Beginning. And uh, we have been working our way through uh, this book steadily, and uh, we find ourselves uh, in chapter 7 today. And uh, if you have not uh, had the opportunity uh, to follow us, be with us through this, we have seen the Lord do some incredible things in the book from creation. Uh, whenever he made the world six days, uh, resting on the seventh, uh, we've seen the Lord do uh, great things in creation. Uh, when he made uh, male and female, uh, created them in his own image and um, even in the midst of sin and fall and destruction, uh, we continue to see the Lord be gracious and faithful. Uh, we've seen the Lord through generations. Um, whenever it seemed like the line of Cain was going to ruin the plan of redemption, that God had a plan to work through Seth. We've uh, seen that God has been actively working and moving. And today will we'll be no different um, as we see the global judgment today. You know, as I think about where we've been so far in, in this book, the book of beginnings, it has taught us, I believe, a lot about uh, God, his plan, the way in which he works, his involvement with humanity. And the last week when we uh, looked in chapter six, we saw the corruption of man. We, we saw uh, the, the desperate need of change and transformation in a message that was tied to the Great Reset. And uh, we were brought into the realization that God was going to do something incredible uh, to change and transform the world. And today we will see the realization of that. But as we think about the, the world in which we live in, I, I was thinking about us as a people. Uh, what's a, a great example of whenever difficulties might come or storms might come and how we uh, respond. And I thought about a, a couple of weeks back whenever uh, we had the winter weather. If you remember that, we got a bunch of sleet. Anybody remember this? We were hoping for snow and end up with sleet. Uh, it, it got us uh, off working out of school, so some of us really don't care. But uh, I thought about the weatherman. The weatherman is predicting uh, what's, what's about to happen uh, with some sort of accuracy, but not always 100%. And I thought about the way in which people tend to react and respond to weather events and reports. Uh, how many of you, whenever you hear that there's a possibility of wintry weather, you get excited? Can I just say anybody excited? Yeah, I see those hands. Okay, fantastic. How many of you are like, those folks that had their hand are crazy. We ain't trying to see any of that. Let me see that. Okay, I see those hands. Yeah. You know, we respond differently whenever we hear of, of weather events that are going to come. Some of us go and we buy out all the bread and all the milk. Uh, others of us don't do anything at all different. We just keep rolling like we've been rolling. You know, car, you know, it's on empty on Egypt over there. Ain't put no gas in. Ain't got no nothing. Ain't nothing ready. 
Some of us go not only fill ours up, but every other car we have and a tank and we just get ready. You know, we all respond differently uh, whenever events come. And I'm going to submit to you today that uh, God in his grace, I believe, has left us a, a vivid, detailed history of past judgment, I believe, to orient us for future judgment. And so as we think about the dynamics of that, um, we're going to see the flood of Noah. Now, I know that there are parts of Scripture that some might have a difficult time believing. Um, I, I, don't, I don't come to this text assuming that everybody that uh, claims to love Jesus or follow him or believe in his word actually believes it. Uh, I happen to, and we're going to get ready to see why, but uh, I'm fully con convinced, convicted from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet that this is the account, the way in which God has orchestrated human history. But I do know that there are those that have what I like to call a buffet faith. They like to pull a little bit from here and a little bit from here. Nope, I don't like that. We'll just skip over there. And so there are those that might have a buffet type faith. Uh, but I will tell you that I believe this event that we're going to be reading about today is uh, one of the most incredible events in history. Uh, and it has shaped the world in which we live in, the world in which we know and understand. And I believe that the proper framework or glasses or worldview that you bring will allow you to, I believe, see things uh, God's way. If you remember, the purpose for this judgment was that man uh, had been corrupted. It had, man had corrupted his way. Sin had had a pervasive effect on relationships from murder to marriage. But also we see that uh, even spiritually, the demonic host uh, had begun to corrupt mankind. And so we see that the response to this is that God would send judgment. In the midst of that, though, we see God had an individual named Noah who took him seriously. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in chapter six, verse nine, that he walked with God, that he was a righteous man and that he was blameless. And so we see that it is possible even whenever everybody else around you is corrupt, you don't have to be as you walk with God. We saw the work that God gave him to do. If you remember, uh, the Lord gave him a work to do to a construction project to uh, build uh, an ark, to build an ark. And so if you if you remember, we talked about the dynamics of that. Uh, the boat itself, the dimensions are given to us uh, in cubits. I, I made the case that that's 18 inches from the elbow to the uh, end of the middle finger. And uh, so we had a, a picture. We just looked up a rendering that uh, would help us to understand the three different levels and the scope and the size of the boat. And we talked about the, the, the sheer volume of what it would hold. And we looked at boxcars from trains to be able to help us be able to see that, to know, because a lot of people make a claim that, oh, it was too small to be able to carry all the animals and all the such. And so we, we, we made the case last message uh, of, of the fact that God would have had plenty of room to be able to get uh, not only Noah and his family, but also the animals as well as anybody else who wanted to come at the time. Uh, but they were not willing to come. And so we have looked at this. We've seen the, the purpose. We, we've seen uh, the, the witness of God. We've seen the uh, work of God that he gave Noah to do and also what it looks like to walk with God. But I just want to remind us in 2022, why in the world is this important to us? Well, I believe that Noah's mentioned uh, some 50 Bible, nine different books. But I want to specifically zero in on a, on a statement in Matthew's gospel, Matthew 24, 
verses 37 through 41 to kind of set the tone for us as we get ready to look at this passage. You see, there awaits another judgment for this world. Now, I just going to go ahead and let y'all know I don't intend to be here. Matter of fact, I got my ticket uh, 16 years ago yesterday. I was saved. All right. And uh, and so 16 years ago yesterday, I got on the SS Jesus and uh, I'm not intending to experience no wrath. And uh, we'll talk about that in the close. But I believe that God has laid out for us a very clear understanding of why we should know our history. Says it's for the coming of the Son of Man, talking about Jesus coming to us. It says, We'll be uh, just like the days of who? Noah. Uh, for as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until uh, the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. Uh, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Everybody catch that? Then there will be two men uh, in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be, at the, be grinding at the meal. One will be taken, one will be left. So as we think about the dynamics of this, preparation is very important. I believe that God has, has forecast for us what is coming, and we will have to make a decision on how we prepare. Now, before us, we are going to see in very vivid language uh, when the judgment comes. You see, we have a God who is good and very patient. Uh, but at some point, the judgment comes. So now in Genesis chapter seven, our first section is going to be uh, verses six through ten. And in this section, we're going to see the faith and patience, I believe, of Noah and his family. And we're going to also see the faithfulness and the patience of God. Now, the text says for us in Genesis chapter seven, verse six says this. Now, Noah was 600 years old when the flood of water came upon the earth. Then Noah and his sons and his wife and his son's wives with him entered the ark because of the water of the flood. Of clean animals and animals that are not clean and birds and everything that creeps on the ground. There went into the ark to Noah by twos, male and female, as God had commanded Noah. It came about after the seven days that the water of the flood came upon the earth. Now, in this first movement, I want us to see. Uh, faith and patience, faithfulness and patience. Now, just to help us uh, in uh, chapter seven, verse six, we are given uh, what I believe is a time stamp. And so I just want us to back up a little bit, orient ourselves, and then we will push forward because the text tells us that Noah was how old when the flood of water came? He was 600. Now, we have been given another time stamp earlier where it tells us that Noah, uh, he was he was 500 when he had his, his child, his 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 boys. If you remember, he had three of them. Uh, it tells us in chapter five, verse 32, Noah was 500 years old and uh, he became the father of Shem, Ham and Japheth. So here, so we have some timestamps here that I want us to see for a moment. Now, if we're going to take the Bible, I, I believe at its most 
simplest understanding, and we say that when Adam was, was made, uh, he was a grown man, and uh, the Bible says he, he lived in 930 years or so. And then if we just take from Adam that timeline, all the different lineages, uh, that, that would have us uh, coming in at uh, the year 1056. Now, 1056, we see about Noah, we hear about Noah. The Bible told us that God was going to give 120 years before uh, the flood came. He was going to give him 120 years to get the, the boat put together. So if we are working, we're looking at our math here. Let me just highlight for Noah just for a moment here. Uh, if we just take that, that means that Noah was 480 when he got word to build. Then he had his, his boy, first one, at 500. So he had been working on a boat for, for 20 years. So that means his boys, the whole, their whole life growing up, they saw daddy working on the boat. And then the, the text tells us that at, at 600, uh, at 600, uh, that's when the flood came. So now the reason why I want to lay this out to you is because it would have required extreme faith for Noah to be willing to obey the Lord. The Bible tells us that in the creation of the world before the fall, that a rain had not fallen, that there was a mist that would, would keep the earth at a particular, uh, obviously green and watered, but also it would keep the earth uh, watered and so for life to be able to continue to be produced. And so water had not yet fallen. Rain had not yet fallen. And so you, can you imagine you being told you need to build this ark? Rain has not fallen, and it's going, you're going to get 120 years. It, it takes great faith, uh, I believe, for Noah to be able to do this. Now, if you're taking notes, I just want you to jot down Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, because I think this strikes at the heart of uh, the matter. It says this, by faith, Noah, being warned by God about things uh, not yet seen. Everybody see that? And reverence notice this, prepared an ark for the salvation of his what? Say it with me. Household. Now, this is very important, man, because uh, sisters, we're not leaving you out, but I just want y'all to notice the lead here. Noah was the lead here. So, so at 480, I believe he gets the word to begin to, by faith, he has not seen rain, has not seen what's falling. And I believe God is calling us by faith to trust. We hadn't seen the fire that's going to fall. We hadn't seen all the 100-pound hailstones. We hadn't seen all those other things. But by faith, we have to be willing to trust. And so it says, it says that he began to build. And so by faith, he does this. And so he is setting a legacy that ultimately would shape the salvation of his entire household. So his boys got to see him. They grew up seeing him being not only willing to talk about God, we'll see that in a minute, but also live his life out, live out the calling that God had placed on his life. So if we're just looking at the timestamp, 1056 to, to then beginning to, to build in 1056, 536 to seeing that thing one 1556 then you see the rain falling 1656 and so we just see the movement i'm just giving the time stamps quickly now this legacy is so important because in his day first peter 3 uh, verse 20 tells us a little bit more about it it says this notice this who once were disobedient when the patience of god kept waiting in the days of who no, everybody see that? So we see Noah had to be patient because guess who else was patient? God was patient. Notice this waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark 
in which a few, that is how many? Eight persons were brought safely through the water. Now, this is so key here that God was being patient, and we're going to learn more about why he was being patient here in this next movement. But Noah had to be willing to be patient because God is patient. Now, I know when we look at our world around us and we see it's a mess, it's crazy, craziness all over the place. Let me just encourage you here for a minute why we must have patience. You want to tell you why we must have patience? Because God is patient. Now, I know that's hard to fathom sometimes because you like, do you, do, you know, Lord, they sinners anyways. They don't love you. But can I just tell you, guess what you were before you came to know him? Had he, had he had went ahead and rolled up this thing before you were saved, you would have been left out, been mad about it, too. So understand in the days in which we live, it requires faith for us because God understand. I believe he has given us a work to do. He has called us to believe things we have not seen, have not heard, have not experienced. But also we have to be willing to have patience. Why? Because he is patient. He is patient. Look with me, 2 Peter 2, 2, 5. I'm just trying to hit this quick. 2 Peter 2, 5 says this. Did I spare the ancient world, but preserve Noah, a preacher of righteousness. Everybody catch that? What was Noah a preacher of? Righteousness. He's a preacher of righteousness with seven others. If you say Noah plus seven others, that's going to give you eight. When he brought a flood upon the, on the world of the ungodly. Everybody see that? Now, here's the thing, the dynamics of this. Another reason why we have to have faith and patience is because we are required to live out this relationship with God by faith and patience in a ungodly time. So, so don't be surprised. Don't be shocked whenever things continue to go from bad to worse, whenever people's violence and, and their relationships and the way in which they treat folks and how they think about the world around them begins to move into darkness. See, God is calling us the same, I believe, as he did Noah to preach righteousness, to tell the truth about God and about life and not to be ashamed. So when we think about the dynamics, I just want to hit this first time. Sam. It, just, it, it tells us very clearly that it came when he was 600. But we know that God had given 120 years each and every year as that boat sat there, as that ark sat there, not floating on water, was God's grace to humanity, giving them something they could see to help them believe in something they could not see. It was God's grace to show them that judgment was coming and he was making a way of provision to be able to escape. The same is true today. Now, the text tells us that there's some particular details that Noah, he brought the clean animals and the unclean animals. And this is incredible because I believe that this ultimately goes back to what in the garden that God was making a decision whenever he whenever he clothed Adam and Eve, he was letting them know about the dynamics of how to connect with him. And so we see already here, we know Moses is the human instrument that is, is writing, but I believe that he is, this is where it all is coming from, though, that way, way back, God had already established this. And so the Bible is clear here that they, they entered the ark, Noah, his sons, Noah's wife, we, we just call her N.W., Noah's wife, we don't know what name. And uh, then we got the sons' wives, S.W., sons' wives, we don't, know, we don't know their names either, okay? But uh, what we do know, is that the kinds got on with them. The kinds, the clean animals and the animals that were unclean. And so the birds and every creeping thing of the ground, notice this verse 9, there, notice this, this is a very important construction because some people who want to go against this narrative, they're like, how could he have went and trapped all these animals? They think he like, you know, Jeff Irvin or somebody trying to go out there and catch all the animals. Just read the text. Read the text. 
there went in to the ark. Say it with me. To Noah. Everybody see that right there? We already saw it last week, but here it is again, that God was bringing the animals to him. This shouldn't surprise anybody. Y'all remember whenever uh, Adam named him, you remember what the text says, that God did what? He brought the animals to Adam to see what he would name them. So understand, many times God can get animals to do what he can't get people to do. Listen. <laughs> Incredible. And so what we see here is that he is bringing them. He is bringing them to him. So he ain't got to spend a whole lot of time trying to track them down. Everybody like, how in the world are you going to have time to film his nature show and film his, his, his building show on HGTV to be able to get on there? How are you going to have time to do all this stuff? Well, he didn't have to do all that other stuff. So as we look at the dynamics here, he's bringing them. And then the text tells us it came about after seven days that the water flooded came up on the earth. Now, God is being so gracious here. But I just want to deal with a couple other objections that you might find whenever you start telling people you believe that there was a real flood. It actually happened that it was real animals on a real boat, real man named Noah. A lot of people are going to tell you, well, how in the world was Noah able to keep the lions and the tigers and the bears, oh my, from eating the sheep and the goats and all the domesticated animals? How was he able to do that? Well, here's the thing. We, we already saw it early on that, that, that nobody, even humans, were eating meat. Y'all remember this? But let me just tell you, God has a way. He has a way. And he's going to just just for the record. Y'all ain't going to believe this. I'm going to show you here in a minute. But he's going to do this again in the millennium. OK, he's going to do this again in the millennium. He tells us this in Isaiah. But the very God who created him at the initial piece, whenever you get to the back end of the creation, it says that he gave for for food, every plant for all the all the beasts of the earth. That's what he what he says. Incredible. But he's going to do this again just to show us he can do it. Now, I want you all to notice this. Isaiah, Isaiah 11, verse 6 through 9. Somebody probably had that quiet time in, in Isaiah 6 through, through chapter 11, 6 through 9. And y'all already know where I'm going with this. But catch it now. It says this. And the wolf. And the who? Wolf. Will dwell with the lamb. Uh-oh. Normally what happens when you get a wolf and a lamb together? You get lamb chops. Okay. That's what normally happens. But catch this. And the wolf will dwell with the lamb. And the leopard, what, what will happen? Will lie down with the what? Young goat. And, and notice this, and the calf and the young lion and the, what's notice this, and the fatling together. Y'all see that right there? Now catch it. And the and a little boy will lead them. Also the cow and the bear will what? Graze. Their young will do what? Lie down together and the lion will. I stop because I want y'all to see it right now. You see when you go to the zoo, how much straw you see in a lion eat? <laughs> None. <laughs> they will eat straw. Whatever you get on National Geographic. How many times you seen the lion stalking down the straw in the in the wilderness? <laughs> Zebras getting murked out there. It's terrible. But hear me, in the millennium, and I'm t I believe what's happening, God is showing, he's showing us how he operates. Now look, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. That's going to be a sight to see. I don't know about y'all. I can't wait to see this. We're not done. Because I know some folks like, you on the boat, you know, Noah had his kids on the boat with the snake. Oh, yeah. The nursing child will play by the hole of the what? Cobra. That's a bad snake. 
Now, Wayne Child, notice this, put his hand on the viper's den. They, they will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of knowledge of the Lord and the waters cover the sea. I, I just want y'all to see that when we, when we hold to views biblically, there's a good reason why we hold to them. We see evidence throughout Scripture. We take the Bible to interpret the Bible, and some people say that's circular reason. You can't use a resource to interpret another resource. Well, that's the problem with that is that when you hold your Bible up, you have a library in your hand, not just one book. You got 66 books. So one book can have a word in another book. One book can have another saying in another book. So it's not circular reasoning. So as we look to this, understand what I'm telling you is don't let these objections fool you. The one who made them, made them initially not to be eating each other. And there's going to come a time where he does it again. And I can't wait for that day. Now, I got to keep pushing because we got a lot to get. But I want you to see this. That when you look, look at this, the, the ark and God's word is so important for us to catch because the text tells us, I just want y'all to see it, verse 10, and it came about after seven days that the water of the flood came up on the earth. Everybody see that? God, 120 years, he, he wasted that final week, and it's incredible. Animals on the boat, Noah and family on the boat. He gives, gives them that this seven day, like I'm trying to let you know. If you're taking notes, I just want you to jot down 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. I think this is a good word for us to remember. It says, the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some counsel us but it's patient towards you. Y'all help me with this. Not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Everybody see that? I just want y'all to get the, the heart of God, what, where he is, what his desire is. Now, just because his desire is for all to come and for all to not perish, that doesn't mean that they're not going to perish. But I want y'all to understand that God, he has done his part. He has reached out. He has shown 120 years. He has laid this out, both being built, given opportunities, and people would not turn. So when you don't turn, he must judge. Now, in this next movement, this next section, we're going to see uh, the judgment. We're going to hear of it. And I just want y'all to remember all the things that the Lord had done already to be able to get the people to understand him. Let's look together in this second movement. We're going to see the wrath and the destruction starting in verse 11, verse 11 through 24. In the 600th year of Noah's life in the second month on the 17th day of the month, on the same day, all the fountains of the great deep burst open and the floodgates of the sky were opened. The rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. On the very same day, Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth and, Noah and the, son, the sons of Noah and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons uh, with them entered the ark. They and every beast after its kind and all the cattle after their kind and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind and every bird after its kind, all sorts of birds. So they went into the ark to Noah by twos of all flesh in which was the breath of life. Those that entered, male and female of all flesh entered as God had commanded them. And the Lord closed it behind him. 
Then the flood came upon the earth forty days. And the water increased and lifted up the ark so that it rose above the earth. The water prevailed and increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. The water prevailed more and more upon the earth so that all the high mountains everywhere under the heavens were covered. The water prevailed 15 cubits higher and the mountains were covered. All flesh that moved on the earth perished, birds and cattle and beasts and every swarming thing that swarms upon the earth and all mankind of all that was on the dry land, all in whose nostrils was the breath, the spirit of life died. Thus, he blotted out every living thing that was upon the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, and they were blotted out from the earth. And only Noah was left together with those that were with him in the ark. The water prevailed upon the earth 150 days. Now, in this second movement, I, I, we must deal with wrath and destruction. That God, when we think about his ways, he must deal with sin. And uh, in this section, we're going to deal with wrath and destruction. But before we do, I just want to give you one last encouragement from Isaiah, Isaiah 55, verse 6. Isaiah 55, verse 6 says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Because there's going to come a day where you won't find. Where you won't be able to call upon him. Now, when we look to this section, incredible section, I want us to begin in verse 11, and let's talk about the dynamics. Uh, the author here, uh, Moses, he is using repetition as a means of showing a pattern, but also the, the, the movement of the account, the climax, the, the movement. He's showing the dire nature by repeating how many times, about three times what has happened, what has, has died, all the such. But he gives us some important information. He tells again, Noah was 600 years, in the 600 year of his life, it tells us uh, in February on the 17th. <laughs> so all the, notice the construction here, all the fountains of the great deep burst open and the flood gates of the sky were open. Now, I'm going to stop here because when we look at the dynamics of this, a lot of people, whenever they object to this. They say, oh, that's too much water falling from the sky. Well, here's the thing. Water didn't just fall from the sky. What did the text say? It came from two directions. Which direction? From, from underneath and from above. Everybody see that? Now, I want to just lay out for y'all some, some, some thoughts here about the dynamics of this, the underneath piece, because that's the piece that it says first. It says this, uh, on that same day, all the fountains of the great deep burst open. Everybody see that the fountains of the great deep burst open. Now, when we look at this, uh, there's a, 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 a way of thinking about this. Most people call it a theory. It's called a hydroplate, hydroplate. 
uh, made famous by a man named Dr. Walter Brown. So if you want to look him up later, you can do so. But he talks about how, how these plates ruptured. He talks about the flood. He talks about the drift of the, the lands or the continents. And then he talks about recovery. And so I just want to submit to you because I think this is very important that what we have here is not just your your everyday rainstorm, but you but you have water that comes up from beneath a, a large sum of water that comes up from beneath. And then you have 40 days of straight water coming from above, which I'm going to talk about here in just a moment in, in the canopy theory. But in this 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 view. I just want to show y'all something and y'all can go check me, but I want you to look to, to this picture right here because the, the hydro plates, everybody see these dark movements right here? See, see these dark deals right there? So right now, if you get on your phone and you go to Google Earth, it's incredible. You probably ain't never noticed these on there. Maybe you have, but they are still there to this day. And so what's happening here is what, what he's saying is that these movements right here, these bends, they are actually mountains under the ocean. So in the Atlantic and then the Pacific, when you look at these, the, the, these fissures where it, where it pushed up and it burst open and it cracked open. And when you look at them, they still they, they run. They run the globe. Incredible. And so as you look at this, the, the, the picture here is that water not only rained down, but it came up from beneath. And so it's, it's moving all the water, all the movements, all the sludge, all the rock, all the dirt, all the soil is moving all these things around. And what happens here is it, it creates now the conditions that what, what we see to this day. The conditions of what, what we see to this day as over 150 days, the text tells us that water prevailed. And then you have the water having to recede. That's just the water going up to its highest point, 150 days. We ain't even talked about the receding aspect of the water. We'll get that next time we get together. But what I want you to see, though, is that this creation, this movement of things bursting up, having all this water, all this rock, all this mud will create how things settle out in layers. All right. So just to give you all a picture of this, we got another picture. Come on. Let's look at it together. I don't know if y'all can see that. Put your glasses on. So what we have here is a is a picture of how we get to this day. So everybody see this. You got fresh water. You got oil reserves, gas reserves. You have coal, all the such. Everybody see that right there. And it's, it lays out in layers to this very day. So when you when you look up the creation and formation of, let's just say, coal or oil or natural gas. Right. What what most people that don't have a biblical worldview are going to tell you is, is that over millions of years, billions of years, people and plants and animals and things died. They got covered up by the, the, the soil and then they began to break down and decay. And so that's how we now can uh, drive around with T-Rex in our car, fossil fuels. That's what they tell you. So what I'm what I'm submitting to you, though, and you have to decide what I'm submitting to you. And listen, ultimately, I don't believe that, no, no, it's, it, it, that Moses is trying to make the case. But I think this is important for us to view our world, to see that when we pick up our Bibles, I told the kids on Wednesday, the Bible says he made them male and female. And I had the kids stand up. I said, if you're a male, stand on this side. If you're a female, stand on this side. And you know what they did? That's exactly what they did. You can believe your Bible. It's right here. He, he made he, he separated water from water. I said, is there is there water in the sky? They were like, no. And they looked at each other. They said, oh, yeah, it rains. It does rain. Where does that come from the sky still to this day? So what I'm trying to make the case for here is that you don't have to set aside the word of God to hold to science or anything. As a matter of fact, the true science is going to always bring you here. But now back to this. 
So what they're going to say is that's going to take all these millions of years, of things dying and falling and being covered up with all these layers and all of such. Oh, the, the Bible, I believe very clearly in this moment tells us as he is killing the, all, all, the plant life that was there, the vegetation, the, the animals. You want to know what happened to T-Rex and Triceratops and everybody? They drowned right here. OK, so what happens is now is whenever that begins to settle out because of the density of, of those of those materials, you see them settle out. And so across the world, I just put it this way. You see the suddenness. You see the pressure. You see all these things dead spread out over the world. So so for us, it, it, we don't have a conflict because we see the pressure, the weight. And, and th that's what we are experiencing. We see that it came burst up from beneath and we see it came down from below. And as those things settle out, it's incredible. Now, I know the skeptic in the room will say, these drawings, you gave us drawings. Because can I tell you, that's what I tell everybody to try to tell me I come from a monkey. I, I, you just showing me drawings. I'm going I'm to need you to show me something else. Right. In two weeks, we're going to talk about that, too. When we, how we came from uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So come on, get ready. Because listen, it, let me just go ahead and hit this. I got time. <laughs> because see, what we ain't recognizing is, you know, you got to have this missing link. And we're going to learn about Darwin and how Darwin and his book, Origin of the Species, and all these other things, all these other works that he wrote that we normally don't think about. How it, how it propagated racism and how people are thinking they better than others. People going to look for, you know, the, the uh, aborigines and all the such talking about they the missing link. Look, we finna hit this thing. If we would have just believed the Bible in the first place, we wouldn't have been in the mess we in now. But we're going to get there. Just give me two weeks. Okay. So I done showed you pictures. reason why I'm saying this is, is my critique all the time to individuals that want us to believe that type of foolishness is they always show us pictures. They don't have the hard set real data, right? So is there any place where we can see layers already laid out? Is there any place? Oh, yes, there are many. Can I give you one? Bang! <laughs> Y'all see this? Incredible. Y'all know what this is? The Grand Canyon. Incredible. And you know what? The, the, the folks that come from more evolutionary background, you know what I'm going to tell you? That little bit of Colorado River right there over millions and billions of years, it worked its way down. That is not it. I believe in this moment, we see this. We see in the, the flood causes. We see it settle out. We see the movements, the working there, right there before us. Now, you have to decide that. But what I'm telling you is that having a biblical worldview, the lens in which you come at the world is vitally important. It, 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 it will cover many things. And you do not have to be scared nor ashamed of the word of God. It's already right here. He told us. We have to be willing to trust him. That's the hydroplate theory. And what I'm saying to you is that there are different phenomena all over the world. If you want to just take some notes, just do me a favor. Jot down Mount St. Helens. I ain't got time to tell you all about that. You can look it up yourself. Mount St. Helens. Also, if you want to see water still busting up, it's, it's on a small scale. Anybody ever heard of good old faithful? Old faithful? Anybody heard of old faithful? Okay, you want to see it busting up? Hey, how about one real close to us? Anybody been to Mammoth Springs? Great fishing up there on the Spring River. Just get out of there afternoon when it's in the summertime. Now, it's, it's incredible. Water just coming up out of the ground. Incredible. Just coming up out of the ground. Fishing good, too. But I'm just telling you, water just coming up out of the ground. Now, let's deal with this other piece. The idea that it came from above also. So not just that it sprang up from the, the fountains, 
But it also notices, it says this, and the floodgates of the what were open? The sky were open. Everybody see that? The floodgates of the sky. I'm going to make the case that um, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 6, we see that God separated water from water. And so if you were here for that particular message, I made the case that there was some accountability, that there was, that there was a water that was there that would help to control and keep the climate at a particular temperature all over the place. And so that's why if you, if you ever ask some of these scientists, whenever they find these woolly mammoths and they've been frozen to death and they think, oh, you had this ice age and this, uh-uh-uh-uh-uh, nope, nope, nope. They had grass in their bellies. Some of them was even chewing on it when that got them, that frog just got them. <laughs> it just, bang, they wasn't ready. So what happened here, I believe the, fl the floodgates opened up and you see, the, the, just like in our day, when fronts come through and the temperature just take a nosedive, boom, I think this happened in a severe way. So we don't have to have all this extra time and all these billions of years and all these ice ages. Man, y'all better get out of here with that. We're looking right here that God opened it up. He established it, already told us in, in, in chapter one, verse six, when he made day two, water from water. The other piece that helps us is whenever you go and you want to be a paleontologist and you want to dig up the bones, you ever notice that you got to have particular conditions to be able to have them together. You got to have suddenness and you have to have pressure and you have to have suffocation. That's how they stay together. I believe that all of these are, are here for us. Y'all understand the, the movement I'm making, the, the point I'm making is that we can trust his word. It's right here before us. Now, not only do I believe we can view the world we currently live in and we can trust the word of God in relation to what he has said, the cataclysmic events. But I also believe that we have to remember a few things from this text. Can, can I mean, let me just bring it back to the spiritual just for a minute. That ultimately the reason why this is happening is because sin. Sin will be judged. I, I know that in our day it might be vogue to just do what you want to do and sin how you want to sin. But just hear me when I'm telling you it will be judged. You will be judged. Now, the good news is, is that God in his love and in his grace and in his mercy has made a provision in his son. We're going to get to that here in a minute. But understand that God will judge sin. But here's the good news. He will warn you beforehand. He warns you beforehand. Did God warn beforehand here? Oh, yes. 120 years. He was warning. I asked last week. I said, how many of you in here rolling with your check engine light on? How many rolling with the check engine light? Anybody still rolling with the check engine light one week later? All right, keep on playing. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord in the world in which we live in, he gives us check engine lights. Check engine lights. To, to, for us to check out a deeper issue, a connection, a relationship, the pervasiveness of sin. And he will judge it. Many times, in, in, in our world, we are not recognizing because, you know, we like to explain things away. Oh, they were just bad luck. Oh, they're just global warming. Oh, emissions too high. Hear me now. I'm not saying that human beings don't have an impact on the world. That's why we got to have game wars. If we have game wars, we'll be busting everything and killing and shooting and eating it up like we want to. Right. So we do have an effect. But here's what I'm telling you. The type of cataclysmic things that the Bible talks about. I don't care how much emissions drop when it's an issue between you and God and your connection. And he has been known to use the world to get your attention, the earth to get your attention. There is no amount of straws or nothing that you can say we don't want to have in this world. Ha do we see in scripture 
a pattern in the Old Testament that God would use the earth to judge people to get their attention. I know everybody who does read Exodus is like, oh, yeah, he sure will. What type of stuff did he use in Exodus? I just put it here. Hail, fire, frogs, fleas, darkness, all types. He's trying to get attention. He's, he's judging the lowercase g gods of the Egyptians. It's a spiritual problem. They are looking to Pharaoh. They are, they're beating down his people. They got all these other gods. So you know what God does? He said, I'm going I'm to judge every one of these gods to show you that false gods are no gods. There's only one true God. He is still seeking to grab people's attention in that way, even in this day, even in our day. So as we look at this, is there a time coming in the future where judgment's going to happen? Can I just give y'all, can I just, the couple check engine lights, y'all ready for this? In, um, it's not going to come on the screen, but in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 24, in Luke chapter 21, he says that there are going to be certain things that are going to be coming. Let me, let me, y'all listen for a minute. He says that there are going to be wars and rumors of war. Anybody that sound familiar to anybody? Nation, rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There are going to be famines and pestilence. Now, I, I decided, I said, I'm going to look up this word pestilence, because when the last time somebody came, this pestilence is terrible. When the last time, when the last time y'all heard somebody talking like this? Pestilence. Mary Webster says this, contagious, infectious disease. He even put in the word epidemic in there. Uh-oh, trouble. Earthquakes. Persecution and martyrdom of Christians. False prophets and false Christs. So I, what I'm saying to you is, is God in Noah's day gave people Ways to understand and see and know what was coming. Listen, we're dealing with the same gracious good God. He has done the same in our day. He is giving us ways to be able to see what is happening. The question is, are we willing to believe the forecast? When you wake up and the weatherman tell you, it's going to rain today around lunchtime. Some of y'all grab an umbrella. Some of us do not. And so you know what we do when it rains at lunchtime? We get hit in the head with water drops and we run and trying to get in there for lunch. Right. So what I'm saying, the goal is, is when you know what is coming before it comes, the goal is not so you can think all good and mighty about yourself. The goal is so you can prepare and you can help others to prepare. Now. When we think about the idea of wrath, the, the, the text tells us. The text tells us that uh, verse 13, um, the, the day when they went in there, that, that seven day after the, that week goes by, notice this, Noah, Shem, Ham, Japheth. Now, have y'all noticed something? Every time the Bible talks about the, the, them going into the ark and the order of things, do you know who he always puts first? Noah. Everybody see that? Now, can I just, just real quick, men, just give me one second to talk about how we need to lead and, and lead our families. We need to lead our families with the understanding that destruction is coming. Listen, I'm not saying that we run around scared. We got them. There's a difference between being, being scared and afraid and alarmed and being alert. We have to understand the dynamics, man. We have to be connected, tapped into God enough to be able to orient our families to, to show them the way to go. We, by faith, step on first. 
And then we allow them to see our life, the seriousness. We build a life. We didn't just talk about God. He was building it. We allow them to see. Notice the order still right here in verse 13. Noah's name is first. He is leading. Don't miss out on opportunity here. Now, did you catch verse 16? I got to hit it quick. Those that entered, male and female, of all flesh entered as God had commanded them, and the Lord closed it behind them. Who, who closed the door? The Lord closed the door. Now, we don't know how the Lord closed the door. We don't know if it just Noah, Noah and his family got in, and he just, it went boom, it closed like this. We don't know. We don't know if it closed real slow for, like, dramatic effect. We don't know. We don't know. But what we do know is that he closed it. Now, this is important. Who built the boat? Noah. Who closed the door? The Lord. Don't miss this piece right here. That God is showing us that the Lord is the one who closes the door on salvation. He is the one. That boat was the way of the only way of salvation. I'm going to make a couple of comparisons here. And the Lord was the one that closed the door on salvation. When it comes to salvation, the Lord is the one that closes the door on salvation. He is the one that seals the deal on salvation. It was true in Noah's day. And listen to me now, it is true in our day. By faith, Noah built the boat and he walked on it. But, the God, but God is the one who closed it, who sealed it. Now, if you're taking those, just jot down Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. Ephesians 1, 13. When you look at what God does, Ephesians 1.13 says this, talking about Jesus in him, you also, now catch this now, after listening to the message of truth, say it with me, the gospel of your, say it with me, salvation, having also, say it with me, believed. We know Noah believed because it told us in Hebrews he walked by faith, but what was the evidence of his faith? There was a big old boat sitting in his yard, Okay. Notice this, you were, say it with me, sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, just so you know, no human being can seal you with the Holy Spirit of promise. Only God can do it. Only God can seal it. Only God can bring that, that type of relationship. We hear, we listen, we, by faith, we trust and we believe, but God is the one who seals it. So that's, that. now hear me now. We ain't talking about no big boat. Now we're talking about how we are saved. That by faith, we hear the gospel message. We hear about the SS Jesus. Come on now. And we are willing by faith to say yes. And what happens is, is now God comes and he seals and he comes to live in us. That is the only work that, that hear me, that will save. God is the one that has to do it. Now, as we look at this, it says that he closed the door. God is the one who closed the door. And the text tells us that after he closed that door, that for 40 days, that rain fell. And it says that boat, it was lifted up above the earth. It was lifted up. If you take our measurement of 18, uh, 18 inches, and it got lifted up 22 and a half feet. Now, as you look at that, I think the, the point, what he's saying is, is that all the water, some people believe that this was a local flood just in that region. And the reason why I don't hold to that is because it says that he got 22 feet above the mountains. And also there's this... Um, uh, very, very important word uh, that you uh, will see that it prevailed the water in verse 19. The water prevailed more and more upon the earth so that all the high mountains where everywhere. Where everywhere. They were they were they were on the water. They were covered. And so what we see here is that the boat 
it's sagging in the water some, but it was enough that it could pass over the top of the highest mountain in the world. So as we look at this, he, he's telling us the pervasiveness of the judgment. It was a global worldwide judgment. Now, I want us to look at this because the text gives us some very sombering news. Verse 21, all flesh that moved on the earth perished. So can I ask you a quick question? How much flesh? All flesh. You know, I think about Noah. I'm just going to be brief here. But the relationships that he had, they were all gone. Other than the ones that were with him on the boat. The world that he knew, it's all gone. You know, I believe that God is teaching us something. There's something that's bittersweet about this passage in the sense that we see the salvation of Noah and his family, and that is so sweet. But then there's this other side to it that's bitter that ultimately there was destruction and judgment for everybody else that did not enter by faith there. And can I just tell you, each and every Sunday, every day of my life as I preach the gospel, there's something bittersweet about what I know. Here's what I know, that it is, it is sweet that people who are apart from God, far from God, living from him, they can come and believe and be saved. But the part that is bitter is that not everybody is coming. Not everybody will be saved. And that's a sad reality. If you're taking notes, I want you to jot down 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. Because there's coming another day. There's coming another day when judgment will fall. And, you know, I think about this text here. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with roar. And the elements will be destroyed. Say it with me. With intense heat. Everybody see that for I just want you to let that settle for a minute. First judgment with water, the second with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Now, let me just tell you, I, I don't know exactly how this is going to happen, but I, I believe that's going to happen. But I'm just telling you, we looked at this, we looked at this graphic of the layers, and we, you got that much oil and that much gas underneath this ball that we're living on. It's not going to be hard to fathom how this thing is going to go up. It's not hard to see it. It's already there. It's already laying there below the surface. Now, we know how to use it. We put it up and we use it to heat our houses and to be able to drive our cars and all these other things. But understand, it's still all underneath there. So whenever the judgment falls, it's already down there. It's already set. It's already ready. Now, the question is, are you? Are you ready? You see, I believe God has given us the warnings beforehand. And there's going to come a day, just like in Noah's day, that judgment will come. And the people that you know that don't know the Lord Jesus, they won't be saved. Now, let me end on a positive note. That as we think about Noah's life, I want to highlight 
three main areas. First is we had those who knew about the flood prior to the flood. And if you remember Enoch, Methuselah, these are all people in Noah's family. They knew about a judgment that was coming prior and it shaped the way in which they lived. I believe that's us. We right here in the room, you have been given information, you know, beforehand. Now, the question is, what are you going to do with it? What will you do with it? it? This is those that prior knew. The Bible says that Enoch, he was taken. God took him up before all the mess came. I believe that the church, do we still away the rapture to be called up out of here? There are those that were protected in judgment. That when you when you go to the last book of the Bible, Revelation, get you some of that, that you're going to find that even even in the midst of great judgment and difficulty, there are going to be individuals that are going to come to know Jesus in the midst of that. There are going to be individuals that are going to come out of that. I don't I don't encourage you to wait around. I don't encourage you. Tribulation saints. But then there's also those. Who perished. The Lord will allow us to go through the wrath of man and even the wrath of Satan from time to time, if you remember. But I don't believe he'll ever let those who know him and have a relationship with him go through the wrath of God. As one, one preacher said, that he doesn't beat his bride. So as we think about our role, I want to ask you, the earth is ready for the judgment. Are you? Will you pray with me? Lord, we love you. And we thank you, God, and thank you for your word. And Lord, in this room, there are men and women who, Lord, they, they've not given their life to you. They're watching. They've not given their life to you. And Lord, I don't know what else to tell them other than that, Lord, the judgment's coming. But Lord Jesus, you have laid your life down. Just like there was one boat, there's one way to be saved. And Lord, you closed the door. Lord, I pray that if there are any here, Lord, that they haven't given their life to you, Lord, they would call out to you and they would say, Lord Jesus, save me. Forgive me. Use my life for your glory. Lord, I believe you'll do that. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord, you'd help us in these days in which we live to be like Noah, faithful, preach the righteousness, surrender to you. Because, Lord, the, the, the judgment's coming. We don't have to be afraid of it, though. We don't have to be afraid of what's coming. Lord, you have already laid out for us the signs that will, the birth pains, if you will, Lord, that will come. But you told us what we need to be about. Go, therefore, to all nations. Make disciples. Baptizing them. And teaching them all that you've commanded. The mission has not changed, Lord. So, Lord, I pray you'd help us be faithful to that here in our city. I pray you'd help us be faithful to that here in our state here in our nation and around the world until you come. Lord, we love you very much and we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand with me? 
I hope that God spoke to you through his word during this message, and we would love to talk to you about it. You can connect with us through email, a phone call, or a connection card. You can find the connection card on our website at wordbaptist.com slash connection card. We would love to help you work through uh, any spiritual questions that you have as you're on this journey. You see, we recognize that uh, the greatest need in everyone's life is to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Uh, the Bible is very clear that uh, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the reality is in Christ, we don't have to stay that way because God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. And the Bible is very clear that if we will agree with God, that we need him, that we are sinners, and that if we agree with God and believe that Jesus Christ is the answer, the payment for our sins, that he died and that he rose and that uh, he will change and transform our lives. If we will believe that God will save us. And it says in Romans that we will not be disappointed if we will believe in him. And so the first step is for you to give your life to Christ, to call on him to be your Lord and Savior, uh, to come in and transform your life and to use you for his glory. If you listen to this sermon and you don't have a church home, we would love for you to be our guest here at Word Baptist. We have multiple services and would love to meet you and have you here with us together in worship. You can check us out at wordbaptist.com for service time. If you missed any sermons, they are all archived on our website and you can go back and watch. You can connect with us on social media and you can find us at Word Baptist. If you would like to invest in the ministry and support the spreading of the gospel, you can go online to wordbaptist.com slash give. We're glad that you have joined us and we hope that you've learned something that you can apply to your life and that we look forward to having you again right here at Word Baptist.